Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. B on Worley Drive in Williamsville. My name is Sal Capaccio. Glad to be here with you today. And I am filling in for your trusted racing host, Brian Colziol, who's normally here this time in this chair for the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness and the Belmont. Brian's filled me in on all the great things I need to know about this show, but I got the right-hand man next to me as well, and that That's is right. Dan Cave. So I'm, I'm going to lean on you a lot today, Dan, because you've been through this drill. Big mistake. You, you know what's going on. Yeah, We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to tell everybody about uh, everything going on out here at OTB and, of course, the Belmont. But you just got back from vacation. No. I'm not vacation. What were you on? I was uh, on a work trip. A work trip in San Francisco. It was vacation. He says it was a work yeah, trip. That's right. That's right. No, I was out there for I, work. I apologize. I thought it was vacation when I heard you were out west. No, 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 no. I was out west all week for uh, not for this work, for my day job okay. at Roswell Park. And Very nice. uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, I was out there all week at a conference. But uh, back now, got in late last night. Missed... I know. At the turnaround, you're like, oh, I'm getting on a plane from San Francisco. I'll be there. At... I'm like, wow. Well, you know, Sal, I'm. I'm. A, I don't want to. Don't. I don't want to speak too highly of myself, but I do consider myself a warrior and an American hero, <laughs> and I do whatever it takes, and the show must go on. That's so right. here we are now. And we're going to bring in uh, Ryan Hasnauer here just one second. I do want to ask you, what was it like in San Fran during the NBA Finals? Because Golden State, obviously, they play right there across the bridge in They Oakland. do. They do. And so here's what I've learned about people in San Francisco, and this may come as a surprise to you. They like the Warriors a lot. <laughs> you can't go more than one block without seeing somebody with a Warriors shirt on, a Warriors flag outside of the building, Warriors sign. It's all Warriors. The Warriors are everywhere. I mean, it's exciting to be in a town that has that championship buzz going right, on. Right. And you know how it is around here, just when the Sabres are in the playoffs, or if you can think back that far, when the Bills were in the playoffs. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it's it's the exact same vibe, and it's 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 a big city like San Francisco, so everyone's all caught up in it. It was pretty cool to be there, and don't forget, I mean, there, it's 50 minutes away, uh, driving wise, but the Sharks are in the Stanley Cup final. That's right. So you've got uh, the whole Bay Area kind of caught up, not just in the NBA Finals, but the Stanley Cup Finals as well. Uh, I went out a couple of times at night. I uh, was able to watch uh, the the tail end of the Sharks game on Thursday out there in San Francisco, and uh, you know, of course, the, the the people in the local establishment went crazy every time the Sharks scored. So it was just fun to. Be be part of that atmosphere. Oh, that's really got to cool. be cool. That's yeah, got to nice. be cool. Yep. Ryan Hasenauer is going to join us now, and you've heard him many times in our airways on WGR Sports Radio 550, not just on the Saturday shows when we're doing these, but also when there is a big race. You know, we get sure. you on, we talk about it a little bit. Absolutely. I want to make sure I get your title right. So what are you known as today? Because to me, you're just the grand emperor of horse <laughs> racing. That's what I want to call you. I am the director of marketing for Batavia Downs Gaming and Western OTB. All right. So, good so, times. So this, is, so this is one of your many workstations, I guess, here on Morley Drive. Sure. Any of the uh, fantastic branches, OTB branches across the Western New York, we have branches uh, stretching all the way from uh, Olean and Jamestown up to Oswego. So if you go to an OTB branch in that area, it's one of ours, one of mine, I guess you'd say. And uh, we're proud of you know the staff that we have here and the the crowd that we've got going on, despite the fact that it's not a triple crown possibility. As I was going back and forth with the gentleman that was tweeting at you uh, this morning, Sal. Yeah. Th- this is fantastic because, to be honest, there's a lot of money to be made, and the Belmont favorite has only won five times in the last 25 years. That's only a 20 really? hit rate. Yeah. Why so, is that? What what is what is now this? 
This is the longest race? This is the longest race. Uh, of the three, does that factor into that equation, do you think? Because maybe people don't gauge the length and, mm-hmm. you know, that's harder to handicap? Big time, because uh, there's no other race that's really, that isn't a mile and a half other than the Belmont. They don't make horses go that long in any other race uh, anywhere else in the country. So the distance is a huge factor. The rest, you know, uh, if it's a favorite and he's maybe done well in the Derby or the Preakness, like Exaggerator, is this here the third time that he's racing within five weeks? Is Exaggerator finally tired? Is one of these new shooters going to come in? Or is maybe one of these horses that did the derby, skipped a Preakness, and is coming back? Somebody like Sudden Breaking News, let's say, or, uh, you know, like Creator, and all of a sudden can go ahead and uh, pick off people in the final races as these deep closers will want to do in these long races. So it should be a really uh, fun race today. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, today's field compared to the first two races. Because I think, you know, when we talk about, this third race, a lot of times it's, is there going to be a triple crown winner? We know that's not going to happen this year. Right. But that, to me, what people have told me, you tell me if this is right, that opens up the field more, and it's actually kind of better for the better that this is the case today. Big time. I mean, if you're looking to make some money today, today's the day you've got 13 horses. Anytime that there's a, a race like a Belmont where there's eight horses, I mm-hmm. mean, there, you have to spend less money to cover all your bets if you're really trying to bet a whole bunch of different uh, horses. Sometimes when you're going to bet supers and trifectas like I'm going to do today, you're going to maybe bet all the horses in the third or fourth position. Well, you got to multiply all the horses up, and that, that costs a lot of money. <laughs> and if there's only eight horses, it doesn't cost as lot as much, so there's not as much money in the pool, and people don't win as much. But with 13 horses, I mean, there is a lot of money to be made out there. And yes, of course, you know, uh, you've got Exaggerator at, at uh, you know, even money, essentially, at this point in time. But there's still some really good value out there in some of these other horses that are uh, coming back in after taking off the Preakness. And, Ryan, it's not just about the Belmont Stakes today. Of course, there is an undercard, and there are yes. people here milling around already betting. So we want people to get out here all day and uh, sure. place wagers, win some money out here. Tell us a little bit about the undercard and, uh, you know, how they can come about out here and, you know, be a part of all that as well. One of the absolute best cards in, uh, that I've seen as far as an undercard um, and on a Triple Crown Day is going on at Belmont today. Hmm. You've got uh, several past Derby contestants uh, racing in some of these races earlier in the day. The ninth race at Belmont today features Frosted, a whole American Pharaoh in his Belmont victory where he did win the Triple Crown uh, and did also finish fourth in the Kentucky Derby. He's racing in the ninth race. So, you know, there's horse races that go on each and every day, and that's one of the things that we're always trying to get through people's heads is that, you know, you don't have to wait till Triple Crown Day to come right. out and wager. Come out and, and try to win some money on any given Saturday or, you know, if you've got a lunch break and you live near the Whirly Branch or you live near the, the Ridge Lee Branch, you can pop in there for lunch. they got great restaurants. Get something to eat, play some wagers. Most of the great thoroughbred tracks do uh, race right around 12, 1 o'clock. That's when they start, and they get done right around 5 o'clock at night. So it's, it's a nice little... It's a beautiful day out, too, if you people yeah. want to you want to get out for a ride. We were supposed to get hit with some severe storms today, and right. never happened. No, so yeah. it, was, it was nice that it, it, they stayed south of us. By the way, we also have the WGR Promotions team here as well. You guys yes. are always great to have us out and right. have them out as well, and we're giving away stuff over here. People can come spin a wheel. Yep. Everybody just walks away a winner out here, man. Absolutely. It's it's come in, spin the wheel. I know they had a match game last time, but they got the wheel today, which is good. A little bit easier to understand, I think, the wheel. So, uh, so yeah, come on out for that. And you mentioned the weather. Interesting yeah. you should say that because if I look now on our, our trusted friend Google, it looks like uh, there will be a severe thunderstorm rolling through the Belmont area Whoa. at 5 o'clock. Which wow. Is, that's, that's unfortunate. Hour and a half before. Right, so how does, that, how does that change the 
gimmick. Yeah. Exaggerator loves the slop. So it makes it even better. Like it was in the for, Preakness. Like it, yeah. Yep, so it makes it right. even better for our friend, the Exaggerator, the 11 horse today. I'll have to take a look and see uh, what other horses really were, were fans of the slop. Stradivari. Well, that's your homework for the next hour. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> your, your homework for the next <laughs> I'm gonna hour dig is in. I'm gonna tell, dig us, in. tell us how the field changes due to the weather if we have those storms set in. That How's sounds that sound? good. Absolutely. All right. That is Ryan Hasenauer. Thank you very much, Ryan. We'll check back in with you a little bit later. Anytime you want to hop on, of course. Just hop on. We're talking sports. All Definitely, right? man. All right. We'll do that. <laughs> Ryan Hasenauer, you can come out here. He's the director of marketing, Western OTB, and here at the uh, Worley branch where we are today and, of course, at Batavia Downs. Dan Cave with me, Sal Capaccio, and Dan, uh, we were just talking about the NBA mm-hmm. and the finals last night. I don't know if you caught any of last night's game, but late last night in the game, lots of different things went on that kind of may ultimately alter what happens later in the series. And mm-hmm. that, what I mean by that is Draymond, Draymond Green could be suspended. He took a kind of a swing yeah. at LeBron James. I don't know if you saw that. I did not see it happen live, but I have heard all of the flap. I saw the highlight. Uh, yeah, if the if, if the Warriors end up losing Draymond Green, that changes everything. It, it does change things he, significantly. He, now, now, I don't know if they could still come back from three to one, but I would give the the Cavs a much bigger chance. Now, here right. is what I really do kind of think about this. And I'm, I'm going to take this from an angle of. LeBron was mad last night. He was upset. I have never seen LeBron. He actually showed emotion. That mad. That's the best athletes, the best champions. A lot of them have really risen to the occasion when they've gotten mad. Mm-hmm. Like Brady because of Spygate or Deflake. He comes back. He's like, I'm going to do this. He's got a chip on his he's shoulder. On he his destroys shoulder. the league. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Yep. You know, when boxers, ha- when they get in a position of the best, the greatest champion boxers of all time, you know, hey, I'm going to prove everybody. No, no, no. I, I'm not going to lose this fight. I'm thinking of baseball pitchers like Pedro Martinez exactly. or Roger Clemens. Kurt they get Schilling. Ticked, Kurt Schilling. They get ticked off. They come out. Next thing you know, there's 12 strikeouts. And, no doubt about yep, it. Absolutely. No doubt about it. So, but I, I don't know if I don't know if that's in LeBron's DNA, and I'm I'm really interested. Fascinating subplot. Isn't I, it? I, I I'm interested if LeBron can do what the greatest ever because look he's great. Mm-hmm. I'm a LeBron fan. He is to me. He's the best player on the planet. But I don't know if he has that particular part of him yeah. that those other people in those situations we've talked about. We've dissected LeBron so much over the years, going back from his going back to his first stint in Cleveland, to his time with Miami, and you're right, he's he's the best player in the league, he's outstanding, he's so supremely talented, and you can see him take over a game, but there are those moments where you're watching him, and either the lack of emotion or the lack of apparent you know, concern if the, if the Cavs or the Heat, or as it were at the time, are down or trailing, it's like, what is he thinking? What's going on in his head? We've tried to dissect his brain so mm-hmm. much over the years, and you're right, we've never really seen him in this position where, okay, he's legitimately upset. He's not happy. His team is down 3-1, to one, so he's clearly frustrated about that. He's upset at Draymond Green. How is he going to respond? That is a huge question mark heading into game And five. it wasn't just with Draymond. Steph Curry got in yeah. with him <laughs> right. as well. They, right. were, they were jawing. Yep. But, but, but this is, I'm fascinated and here's here's what's going to bother me though that you know I, I think we talk about the legacy of uh, LeBron, the legacy of this particular Warriors team. If LeBron doesn't come back and win this series, even if they lose Draymond Green, unfortunately that's going to be the narrative, and they're yeah. going to say, "Oh, LeBron got punked or whatever." And right. look at that—he lost in his. Another they one. got in his face, yep. and he still couldn't he carry. Got his rattled. Team. Well, I think that's so unfair to this guy because I, he is 
the I, best player. They would be nowhere without him, of I course. I guess, I think when it comes to the NBA with these greats, everybody who's followed Jordan, we just, we automatically compare them to Jordan, right? Like, well, how was Kobe Bryant compared to Jordan? How was uh, Allen Iverson compared to, it, it doesn't matter. We, we always go back to, especially in our generation, we always go back to Michael Jordan. And Jordan, there was nobody like Jordan because right. he wore his emotion on his sleeve. You but, he's a great, but he's a great example. When he got mad, Oh, if it he was, was over. mad. It was over. There, are, there are legendary stories. You can go read books and right. go online and read yeah. about guys who got under his skin before a game, yep. and he basically told them, "Okay, that's I'm, it. I'm, I'm going to murder you. I'm today. destroying you." That's right. The, and, and he did. And I would have. And no I don't know if LeBron can do that. I don't. And we—that's what we haven't seen. But I even remember, like, or not even stories. I remember seeing early on in LeBron's career. You know, he missed a buzzer beater, and people wondered about his ability to perform under clutch. Right. There was a whole flap a few years ago about him biting his fingernails on the bench, and right. people thought that he couldn't handle pressure. So this has been going on for a long time. He's never really proven it, nor has he really had the opportunity to prove it. Now, I don't know that, you know, they're, they're down 3-1 to one to one of the greatest teams of all time, no matter what you think about the Warriors. And, again, do you want to compare them to Jordan's Bulls or what, what have you? They're, they're, they're one of the greatest teams of all time. They're down 3-1. to one. If LeBron comes back and let's say they win game five, but they don't win the series, do we really hold it against him at that point? Unfortunately, too many people do. I agree yeah. you shouldn't. I don't think you should. Even if they got swept, I don't think it's, you should hold that no, against LeBron. Right. This is, no matter he, how he's done. He he's, he's so good, and he's done what he can yeah. to will his team to get his team here. Nope. I, I, I don't think that anything should be on him. But I am really interested in how he responds from an emotional standpoint, if he can take it to another level, because that's what the great ones have done over the years. They've taken it to another level when they've gotten mad. Yep, and this is LeBron's turn, finally. That's now. right. Even when he was winning championships with the Heat, it, it, there wasn't really an opportunity for him to to get mad or, or take over like that, I, I, because he always had Wade and Bosh there with him. I mean, this, this, this is all on him right, right now. Everyone's right. looking at him and how he's going to respond. And, you know, it might come down to at the end of the day and this is what i said about them if they had played the heat if the heat had stayed healthy and they didn't Mm -hmm. i thought the heat would have a very good chance to beat cleveland because i think lebron would have a tough time playing his friends yeah and he does he's to me it it, it comes down to this he's a nice guy yeah he's a nice guy and unfortunately that's not the DNA of a lot of the guys who have been the best of the best. You're right. You're right. That's definitely not Jordan. That's for sure. That's right. I mean, Jordan would not, not even just playing his friends because you look at that roster. Not Bird. No, we know that. No, definitely Larry not Bird. Larry Bird is not considered a nice guy. I mean, he may be friendly to you. Yep. But no, no, court. Larry Bird was, he, he's an assassin, and That's he didn't right. care. He's cold. Look what he did when he just uh, fired Vogel, their head coach, not too long <laughs> yeah, ago, and yeah. basically came out and said, yeah, he wanted to stay. I really don't care. He got criticized for it, but that's okay. He did what he thought was right, and he did, he put relationships and friendships aside, and he did what he had to do. That's exactly right. Uh, but no, Jordan was like that. Bird was like that. Kobe to a certain extent. Uh, not even, but LeBron playing Miami. That's kind of interesting to think about because it's not even just friends or old teammates. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the pressure of going. That's right. Okay, now I'm back in Miami. I wanted uh, to see that series. What so is bad. the media saying about it? Because everybody was going to focus on. Oh my God, LeBron back in Miami. But yeah, that would have been interesting. And to you see knew how Pat Riley wanted that. Too. Yeah. Yes, of course, of course. Speaking of Pat Riley, did you catch the (laughs) story last night? Yes, I did. Oh, my god! Jeff Van Gundy's story. Again, did not see it live, but read all about it this morning. So last night, to fill in the blanks for everybody, Jeff Van Gundy is on the... is on, you know what? If Austin, she might be able to actually be able to find it. Yeah. Uh, it was on. It was on Deadspin. If you go to Austin, if you go to Deadspin, there's a story they wrote about it, and they actually have all the audio of this. It's like a minute long audio. If you want to find it, let me know if you can. It's Jeff Van Gundy last night telling a story about 
O.J. Simpson and Pat Riley in the chase. And here's the story he said. I'll, I'll, we'll play it if he does, if we can find it. But the story essentially goes that uh, a year after the chase, Pat Riley went back to L.A. and he sees A.C. Collings at a car wash. Yeah. And we all know <laughs> Randomly. That, yeah, we all know that the chase was happening during yep. Game 5, I believe it, it was. It was Game 5, Nixon Rockets. Nixon Nicks Rockets. Mm-hmm. It was during that. I know that. I was at a local Buffalo bar after a Muni baseball league. Oh, all right. And, Very and, nice. And, and I'm not kidding you. Side story on this, I have to tell you. Go ahead. Everybody at this place, and it sounds horrible to say now, yeah. was chanting, the juice is on the loose. <laughs> the juice is on the loose. <laughs> during the chase. It, it does sound horrible in retrospect, but really quick before we get back to being <laughs> yeah, Gundy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, ESPN previously made a 30 for 30 documentary about the OJ chase uh, and about OJ. And it was there was no narrative. There was no voiceover. It was just real-time oh, yes, that's news right. clips. It was, okay, now we're at Knicks Rockets. Now we're at the U.S. Open. Now it's ABC that was News the, That was the 30 the, for 30 about that date. It was that date, 6-17-94. Right, it was exactly. also the date that the I think that the... Um, Rangers won the cup. Yeah, that was. Uh, or they had the parade. That was the parade. They had the right. parade that the day because they had just won the cup but after the, the guarantee from Messier. The point was, people were lining the streets of LA once word got out that OJ was on the run, cheering for him. They oh, were. It was they amazing. Were, they were cheering for like they were on the sidelines at a football game with signs and 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 cheering. I have to tell you, I actually thought about that a lot when I watched the Muhammad Ali procession. Uh huh. It was the same type of thing. You're right. It was, they were all on the side. Now, different scenario. Of course. But I thought about that. I said, this reminded me yep. of all the people on the freeway right. during the OJ chase. Hanging, hanging down with over signs. the overpasses. Yep. With signs. That's hanging exactly down. right. That's what they did. So that doesn't surprise me that that chant erupted at your bar. That, so, that. Yeah, we were, so we were doing that. Austin's finding it, so I don't want to okay. spoil it too much. All right. All right? We'll, we'll so get so we'll, get it from, we'll get it from Austin, and we'll let her play it over the air. But basically, Jeff Van Gundy told this story, and it relates to why they were driving so slowly. <laughs> and, of course this leads into and why would jeff van gundy be telling this story uh-huh. it leads into tonight yes the start of this documentary which is basically like six hours long it's yes. five parts i believe it's called oj made in america and it's going to be on abc starting tonight and this is going to be phenomenal from what i've heard uh-huh. and i'm going to let austin play it for you right now so here it is last night right. this is jeff van gundy during the NBA Finals, telling the story about OJ and the car chase, and a year later, Pat Riley and AC Cowlings. We ended up losing to the Rockets. That summer, Pat Riley always went back out to LA. Uh, he had a house there. And he ran into the driver of the car, AC Cowlings, at a car wash. And they both were getting their cars detailed. And A.C. Cowlings knew Coach Riley peripherally, waved him over, and proceeded to tell him the story of why they were driving so slow was O.J. wanted to hear the end of the game on the radio before he pulled in. And when Coach Riley told us that story, I was, like, mesmerized by, you know, what really goes on. Like, I could just see him having the gun to his head saying, turn up the radio, AC, so I can hear the last few minutes. That is incredible. It is. That was a bizarre night at Madison Square Garden. Incredible. Everybody... It was amazing. It was Could an amazing that possibly night. Possibly be true. It was game five. The series was two to two, as I recall. Right. So yeah. it was a pivotal game. I mean, that was definitely. What? what, what? Look, I mean, I don't think you're going to get much debate that we uh, most people here are going to say that we think OJ did it, right? Uh, that's probably true. Yes. And 
what kind of a human being mentally I know. in what state do you have to be to have just done that right a not few days prior a few days prior yep. and then you're going to be put in prison possibly the rest of your life and you're worried about and you might kill yourself and then you're worried about oh by the way how are the Knicks and Rockets doing <laughs> how is, is does Ewing have 30 tonight how's Olajuwon handling the boards <laughs> what's going on at Madison Square Garden hey turn it up i can't hear it back here wasn't didn't he call or a, 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 Cowling's called nine one one at one point, saying yes. that OJ was suicidal. Yes, and so then he remember battled. though they did go really slow when they, especially when they got yeah. off the exit, and then very were, slow, right? very slow. Right, I mean, it was a slow speed chase to begin with, but then they went off. That must have been the weirdest car ride of AC Cowling's life. This, is that an understatement? That's probably. I would say. I would say so. It's I, like I, you go from you. You know, you've got OJ Simpson in the back of the car, who you highly suspect of having just committed a double murder, and he's suicidal. And oh, really quick though, before. I surrender myself to police. I just got to hear the last two minutes from Nick's Rockets. I mean, unbelievable. It is the NBA Finals. It is the NBA, it is the NBA Finals. I'm not going to miss that. Uh, unbelievable. So that was last night. By the way, that audio courtesy of ABC TV, that was from the NBA Finals last night. Right. And they're... They do call it the NBA Finals, I noticed, whereas in the Stanley Cup, it's called the Final. I think it's just Final. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just go with whatever my brain tells me to do. I, I don't I care either way. All the time. I don't care either way. No. But what I do care about, Dan, is... Yes, go ahead. When someone corrects you, and then you look, and the other sport is using the other way. That's right. So I would. Who not, really has to be right here? Who? You know what? We're all right. That's that, what, I agree. That's what it is. We're all right. I used to you say. Call, I used to say finals. You call it whatever you want. But I, now I've been told and trained so much that Stanley Cup final that I don't. Yeah. But now I look and I'm watching. Oh, I, I specifically paid attention last night. NBA finals. I think if you just uh, call it the World Championship of the National Basketball Association, <laughs> final, finals, final slash finals, you're covered. It's all good. You going to watch this uh, thing tonight? I, I, I am, am going to. I'm, I'm engrossed. I'm all in. I didn't get a chance to see the FX series that they did, but I heard I that was either. actually pretty good. Uh, but this isn't with, like, actors. Oh, this I is know. This is the real deal. A real this is documentary. A docu- and f- from my Twitter timeline yesterday was filled with, media critics and uh, uh, other reviewers falling all over themselves to, to tell everyone how unbelievable this documentary is. And you think to yourself, like, how good could it possibly be? Don't I, I feel like I already know everything there is to know about OJ and this trial and everything else. But supposedly you don't. And it's it's supposedly very well done and, and gripping and engrossing. And you're right. It's I think it's five parts uh, over the course of this whole week. And it starts tonight on ABC. And I, I'm, I'm all in. I can't wait to watch it. I, it'll just take me right back to the mid-90s. I'm excited for if it. If you haven't seen, you know how there's a poster for movies mm-hmm. in theaters? Have you seen the poster for this one what is it it's a glove but with an american flag basically as the glove that's awesome the glove it's the glove but it's actually no i'm sorry it's just his hand is that a glove i i think it's uh, it's supposed to look and and by the way so here's what it is gotta be represented oh my gosh and i'm looking at this right now all right so i'm telling everybody out there they have to go check this out yeah google oj made in america yeah i might tweet this out and notice it on his middle, that's a blood drop. That is a blood drop. There's yeah. a blood drop coming down from his middle finger. Or is it red paint from the uh, glove? I think it's it's very uh, subjective. You can read into this poster however My you want. My goodness. Either way, either way, it's very well done. Ezra Edelman, I believe, is the name of the producer of this. Yeah, uh, that's I right. have I have watched and listened to him do several national interviews about this leading up to this uh, launch tonight. Mm-hmm. He seems really, really smart. He did this the right way. Yeah. I was fascinated by, you know, when we work in this business, you know, the people who are listening, they the, the periphery part of it is what they get. Yep. 
for me, you know, th- this is just what we do. It's part of work. But it's the back stuff that that goes into it. That, oh, absolutely. That, 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 when you're in this business, the creative process, the, the creative process sure. that I think that you you really kind of appreciate, whether it's calling somebody for a source of a story or an interview, that was what I really got into. Dan was how he talked about going about getting interviews for this and who wanted to do it, who didn't want to do it, how hard it was. That to me was incredible. Absolutely. Who want once you get the interview, what do they want to say? How That's far right. are they willing to go? That's what right. what can they tell us that hasn't been said? Like I like I mentioned already, what hasn't been said already? What are we going to find out new in this documentary? Do you know the one person he said he wanted to get but he didn't get? Who's that? No. Chris Darden. Oh, really? And, and he said Chris because, Darden wouldn't and, talk. And he said that was the one person actually who was really really to him paramount because here was an African-American who was on the prosecution side, mm-hmm. and this was such a race issue. Mm-hmm. And Chris Darden actually grew up where he was actually a guy that um, grew up, and I believe he was like sympathetic to the Black Panther movement, stuff like that. Right. And yet he was the guy prosecuting O.J. Yep. He wanted to get his side and what he felt about all his emotions. Couldn't get him. He was the one guy that he didn't get. That's too bad. It also would have been, of course, this would have been impossible because he's no longer with us. 20 years later right. to hear what Johnny Cochran would have to say. No doubt about it. Marsha Clark, She's she did. Yeah. She did. Yep. But she apparently does not do a lot of these. Uh-huh. And it took him a long time to convince her to talk to him because I guess when most people go to these these prosecutors, all the people surrounding the, the case, the people who they've been approached by the media so much, Dan, that they say like, it's just another media guy, yeah. just another media person wants, and he had to commit. No, this is this is historical record of what happened. This is this a, is very important for history, uh, and she finally understood by talking to him how. What, that he was treating it right, I guess. Right. This is, by all accounts, he did treat it right, and this is going to be a very special documentary. And I, I, I remember thinking, I think as far as last fall, maybe even late last summer, the buzz got around that ESPN 30 for 30 was producing the definitive documentary on OJ, and by all accounts, it was going to blow you away. That's and right. And here we are, finally tonight, it airs. He said that I think it was eight hours maybe when it was all said and done, they cut it down to six. That's <laughs> incredible, right? Still, That's why incredible. not just keep it at eight? Make it a six-part. <laughs> make it a six-part. All right. All right, so we are going to take a timeout. When we come back, we have had a tough, tough week, but an even tougher year. And I don't think people realize the tough year we've had, not only in sports, but in entertainment and the great number of people, the the great people that we've lost. And we're going to kind of reminisce about them a little bit, especially this week and how hard it's hit the sports world with both Ali and Gordy Howe. We'll do that when we come back. We are at OTB on Whirly Drive. Come on out. Ryan has an hours here. He'll help you if you need any help knowing how to make a bet, things like that. We got the Belmont Stakes coming your way a little bit later today. We'll have that for you on WGR. In the meantime, it's Dan Cave and myself, Sal Capaccio, here on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, happy fashion, and I don't mind confessing this. Uh-oh. I went as Michael Jackson in Halloween when I was in sixth grade. Nice. Why would you be ashamed about? No, I'm not. I was a I was a Michael Jackson fanatic. Very strong. Thriller had just come out not too long before that. Yeah, it was. I, I it was. was a, it was. I was moonwalking in my sixth grade Dr. Walter's class at Cleveland Hill Middle did School. Did you? How, what was the outfit? Did you have the red coat? And the I glove had the glove. And the, I, yeah. I think so. My this is what we did. We we had a white glove. <laughs> And I remember my mom, we put glue on it, and we bought, like, um, the, the silver Sparkle sparkles. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah. just did it on the glue, and I had that. Hat, Jibba. Now, what you don't know about me is I'm bald now. I had, like, an afro. Oh, you did? I had an afro wow. when I was younger. Yeah. People, they're, they're right. ill or sick. and They, they both kind of came out of nowhere. I agree. And then one that hits close to home here for me and a lot of sports fans in this state, especially pro Washington. Sure. Yeah. Syracuse University was one of the best college basketball players of, of my generation growing up. Uh, he was amazing. You think about that. Ali, Howe, Prince Bowie, Rickman, Shanley, Pro Washington, Harper Lee, Merle Haggard, Nancy Reagan. 
I don't know if it's actually abnormal, Dan. It just seems abnormal. It kind of does, doesn't it? I, I think an Ali and Howe, within the last week, have uh, kind of punctuated that. Uh, you know, you think... Pr- when I when I'm thinking when when I was thinking back earlier in terms of who else we've lost in 2016, Prince and David Bowie are the first two that come to mind, plus the rest of the list that you just gave. But Ali and Howe, I think, really just kind of punctuated it, making it seem. You're right. If it's if it's not abnormal, it definitely seems bigger than usual. Uh, and you know what the funny thing is, Sal? Not all of these people are elderly. They're, right. They're not. We're we're losing them. No. At, I mean, at, Nancy was older. Yeah. You it, know, we know that. Right. She, she was she was older. I think Harper, Harper Lee, Lee was, was definitely old. Pearl had a brain tumor. Right. He had cancer. Okay. He had a brain tumor. Yep. He died very young, way too young. Yep. For Pearl, but you're right. Alan Rickman's a little older. Yeah. But Gary Shandling was not. Alan Rickman, I think, was only in his sixties. That wasn't really. That, see, maybe that's see, Prince, Prince that's Bowie, amazing. Alan Rickman, uh, Gary Shandling. Those were all. Those all kind of came out of left field. Nobody really knew that those people were were not doing so well. Yeah, he was, uh, how old? He was born in 46, so right. he was 70. All right, so there you go. Yep. He's just turned 70. Just turned 70. You know, which is, which is young these days. You know, you don't want to lose what I mean. at right. that age. Yeah, I mean, I, Gordy Howe was up there, certainly, and That's we right. knew that Muhammad Ali had been uh, suffering for, for some time. I'm actually surprised. I, 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 I'm, if you would have told me yep. in 1996 when I saw Ali light the torch mm, right. in Atlanta yeah. that he would still be with us for 20 more years, yep. I would say that's incredible because he did not look like a man who would be able to function for 20 more years no. and still be around. That was one of those iconic moments with his, his arm trembling with the torch. And yes. I, I heard something yesterday about how the flames were actually licking his arm, oh. but he didn't let it bother him. He just stood there with the torch. Hold, that was just one of those all-time classic great moments that is just burned into your brain, right? Ali with the torch. And you're right. He he hung on and he stayed in there. Honest, I, I even saw... News and you might have seen it too. Uh, it's been played a lot over the last week. Recent news footage of him receiving, I think it was the presidential it was, uh, George Bush. I think gave him the presidential medal of freedom or something. Uh, and that was in two thousand seven, I want to say. And that was that was as recent as uh, what eight or nine years right, ago. Right. He looked pretty good then too. I mean, he really did. He, he was still pretty. He was still pretty till the he end. Was, right? and he was. He would have told you still that pretty. too. That's, that's right. right. He he let everybody know there was a sign at the procession that said, "You're still pretty." Yeah, that's you know? right. And, and it's great. That. That's yep. great. And I, you know, when I watched, I said I watched the procession the other day, the funeral. I'm really glad. It was actually, it struck me more of a celebration. It didn't strike me as right. a funeral. It was no. more of a celebration of, of a, his life. Of a, of a life of a, a great, great human being that yep. did so much really for the world. And, and I'll tell you, uh, we've had some shows on, on WGR, obviously, this week when mm-hmm. he passed away. And I, I can't remember. There may have been one or two I wasn't listening, Dan. But I was really, really happy that there were so many people who had served in the armed forces who called and said, no, no, don't worry, like, he didn't do anything wrong. He stood. He stood. We're okay with what he did. Right. He stood up for what he believed in. You know, he should be hailed as either a hero or you know somebody who really was a, a, a trailblazer. He didn't get at least not on our airwaves. There weren't many people who called or said, "Hey, this guy did by not going to Vietnam, and he, he was just a, a bad person and things like that." And I and I th- I appreciate that that he's universally pretty much revered for that. Yeah, which is, which is good. I think. Uh Time has kind of healed that. It's, yes. I wasn't alive uh, for, 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 for the Vietnam War or Muhammad Ali standing up for what he believed in, but it seemed like at the time the reaction to that was a, a bit harsher than it, uh, obviously it is now. And like I said, I think time has kind of healed that. But I was reading a little bit about it. You know, People are making the point that, no, you can't really consider him a draft dodger in the sense that uh, he didn't try to go to Canada that's or right. anything that like that. That would be dodging it. That, he that, said, is, that is dodging he, it. He yes. said, that's, I will take the... Repercussions, right? 
That's not dodging it. Yeah, he just did not want to go because that's not what he believed in. No so, doubt about I, it. No I, doubt. Um, that yeah. I mean, it's like if I tell my son, "Hey, if you do this, here's what's going to happen." Yeah. And he says, "Well, guess what? I understand that's going to happen. I'm still going to do it." He's not like, "Well, I'm not. I'm going I'm to do it and lie about it. I'm right. going to run away." Yeah. That would be dodging, and that's you're right. I, I agree with that. And he, he stood was up out for what there. He, believed in. he he put it right out there in the public, and he stood up for what he believed in. So you have the social activist side of Muhammad Ali, which is incredible enough, and then you have what he did in the ring, certainly. And it just like I I've always been so fascinated with Ali. You know, I remember when the movie with Will Smith came out like 15 years ago it was an all right movie but still i was excited to see it just to learn more about muhammad ali because it was almost like boxing and again i wasn't around for this but boxing back then was just especially heavyweight so just magical you know you've got these these fights with these great nicknames like the thriller in manila unbelievable and the rumble in the jungle and ali's of course involved in all of those and you've got all of his sayings and phrases and the way he he talked to the media and howard cosell and just all these all these characters around him and subplots it was just he was just so just so cool obviously for lack of a better word he was yeah. so cool and he, he, to he, see him gone is it's just sad I, I agree he was not infallible yeah um no he 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 treated joe frazier like garbage that's true and yes. you know he was not a nice person to joe frazier <laughs> history may have uh, forgiven him on the vietnam stuff but the joe frazier stuff i think is probably still that's a right. little a little harsh as a human being i yeah. know that you know he's been accused of adultery and things like that he's sure. he's, he's been married several times so yep. he's not infallible no 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 he's a human being right <laughs> is what he is and and but I think that when we look at what who we just talked about the last half hour, O.J. Simpson, right. the guys like that, right. you know, there are, there are much, much, much worse people in this world, in the world of entertainment or sports, that you could look at and say, do not idolize, do not, you know, try to emulate yourself. I think Ali is someone you people should kind of emulate themselves after for what he did as far right. as standing up for what he believed in and how great he was as well as an, as an athlete as well. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, it goes without saying, as human beings, we're not perfect. That's and right. uh, you can, can, can kind of get away with saying that about anybody, but when someone is admittedly not perfect but still goes out and, and has these other strong principles and other great characteristics and qualities, it's kind of easy to... Not overlook, but just sort of focus on the positive as opposed to the negative, as on, is the case with Ali. Let's touch on uh, Gordy Howe because yeah. he was that guy that we discussed a while ago that you didn't want to make him mad. No. If you made him mad, yeah. he went out and beat you up and then scored the winning goal. That's, that's right. That's what he did. He was that, another one of he those was one, that, Remember, Absolutely. that's what we were talking sure. earlier, in case you're just joining us, by the way, here at the OTB on Worley Drive, Sal Capaccio, DNK, Ryan Hasnauer also chiming in. We discussed on the very first segment about how great, great athletes – Sometimes they, when they get mad, that's when they become even greater. And I think LeBron's going to be mad after what happened last night. Yeah. But I'm not sure if he can take it to another level because he seems different than a lot of these guys. One of those, Gordie Howe. Mm-hmm. Gordie Howe went out there, and the term Gordie Howe hat trick yeah. means a fight, a goal, and assist right. in one game. Yep. It's like how often do you hear it when somebody gets a goal? The fight is usually the hardest hurdle <laughs> to overcome. Right. So if somebody gets a fight and then scores a goal or vice versa, you always hear it on the broadcast, no That's matter right. who's doing the broadcast or what game you're watching. Oh, he's almost one assist away from a Gordie Howe hat trick. Oh, my god! The legacy lives on. <laughs> no doubt. But uh, you're right. And he would, I mean, you can't do it in other sports, but in hockey, Gordie Howe would literally go out and fight you and finish you that way. And they called him Mr. Elbows because he <laughs> gave you elbows. He didn't care. No. He didn't care if you were his friend or you idolized him or if you were standing in his way of what he wanted to accomplish on the ice, yeah. 
he made sure that he got you out of the way. I think 20 years ago, uh, might have been the first or second year that the arena was open downtown. The Sabres had a big alumni thing going on, and they had some hockey legends there. And Gordy Howe was actually there. I think he was with his wife. I think they were selling their book together. But Howe was there, and he he skated. He I, he, he was on the ice. He was still doing it 20 years. I mean, 20 years ago, he would have been 68. So that's pretty reasonable to assume. But he was, and at the time, he just seemed like, wow, the guy is... Because, you know, he played until he was 50 or whatever. The guy is ageless. He's just going to keep doing this. He's just going to keep living and playing hockey and going on and on. And he did. He played into his 50s. I yeah, mean, it's absolutely. unbelievable what, yep. what athletes can do that. Tom Brady says he wants to play until he's about 50. We all hope <laughs> oh. that surely does not happen. He no. is Dan Cave. I'm Sal Capaccio. Ryan Hasenauer is here as well. He's the director of marketing over at Batavia Downs and here for the Western OTBs. And we're at Worley Drive today. So come on down, say hi, make a few wagers, make some money. We just ordered lunch. You can do that as well. Spend the day with us. It's great weather outside. It's good for a drive. And by the way, make some money as well. We'll tell you how you can do that when we come back. We'll update the weather situation mm-hmm. in Elmont where the Belmont is going to be run. And we got a lot more to get to. we got to talk about the NHL Stanley Cup Final. Yes, final. Final. Final, Final, not finals. Because now it is 3-2, and do we sense a shift at all coming? Are we still looking at some storms here, Ryan? It looks like it's still around 5 o'clock is when it's going to be up to about an an 80% chance. There's still like a 50 and a 30% chance in the hours before that, but the closer it gets to... race time it's interesting because if it rains kind of a little bit ahead of time and there's a race or two then it's going to qualify the the track is sloppy or muddy but if it rains right before the race and there's just like a dusting of of uh water on the track they'll still qualify it as fast so it really uh. won't be that much of an effect if it's like right before the race but if it's like an hour beforehand and they're trying to work on the track but they can't seem to do it because the rain is just coming down hard then you're really talking about a sloppy track. And that definitely bodes well for the uh, 11 Exaggerator, that's for sure. Who is the favorite anyways? Who is the favorite anyways? Yeah. You got, so I did some research there. I looked at the best wet numbers uh, for all these horses. And basically, the best wet number does belong to the number 11 Exaggerator. The long shot forever to Oro, the 8, has a very good wet number as well. And the number one horse, Governor Malibu, has a very good wet number. But if you look at the past performance guide, which is free, by the way, at every OTB ranch, Batavia Downs, and at any area easy bet, you'll notice that uh, those horses really haven't raced much in the uh, slop, uh-huh. other than Exaggerator, of course. So you're not really going to see uh, those guys uh, probably really making some noise, I don't think, because there's some other horses that have raced in the slop, and even though they don't necessarily have fantastic wet numbers they've proven it by actually racing well in the slop so you've got exaggerator who of course won the santa uh, anita derby to qualify for the derby and then came in first in the preakness doing well in the slop you've got the number 13 creator who took the preakness off he was a kentucky derby runner came in 13th so didn't do too well in the derby Mm -hmm. he won the arkansas derby though uh, just before that, and, and he's got a pretty good wet number there. So he's, a, he's an okay horse uh, in the slop. The number three horse, of course, Cherry Wine, who did just barely beat out Nyquist for second place in the Preakness. He doesn't have necessarily a great wet number, but he did race well in the slop. So there's that. The number four and the number five and the number ten, all with uh, good races in the slop. So those are the horses I'm actually going to be betting anyway in a little bit of a combination. So ultimately the slop doesn't change 
things too drastically today. It may change kind of the outlook as far as how the races run. Uh-huh. Really what people are thinking is the 6 and the 7, Gettysburg and Seeking the Soul, both long shots, going to likely go out to the front. So if they go out to the front really, really far, and of course the entire time they're running, they're kind of muddying up the racetrack behind them in a sloppy track, I'm saying, and the other horses are trying to catch them. It might be a little bit more difficult to catch those front runners, these deep closers and stalkers. It might be a little bit tougher to do that. So will the will it affect the pace? You know, that, that remains to okay. be seen. So. Should be really interesting and a great breakdown there, Ryan. Uh, you are here to help people if they have any questions how to bet, right? There are people who are new to this. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing that we try to do, and we do it every year for the Derby, is we've got volunteers in every branch. Um, you know, obviously no Triple Crown today, so I'm, you know, I'm here at uh, the Whirly Branch. If you go out to Batavia Downs and see Todd Height, he'll be more than happy to help you place your wager out there. Or inside of Thurman's 34 Rush Restaurant, we've also got some, some staff out there to help you place your wager. But really, like I mentioned in the first uh, hour there, You've got races happening literally every single day, so there's money to be made always. And it's not a bad uh, you know, little thing to be able to know is how to read a program, even if it's just the basics. Because really when I look at a, a program, I'm taking a look at the horses, you know, jockey and trainer, of course. But I'm taking a look to see, have they raced at this distance before? Have they raced for this kind of money before? Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, how have they done? Because there's horses that uh, you'll, you'll see, uh, you know, in past performance guys, maybe they come in 7th, 8th, 5th, and you're like, why is this horse the odds-on favorite? And then you look and you see that they've been racing in nothing but $100,000 races, and this race is for fifty grand. So wow. like, oh, he's dropping in class. You know, just like a, a, a boxer, you know, all of a sudden, instead of fighting, uh, you know, or if I was to race uh, third graders in a, yeah, in a foot right. race, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm pretty sure Ryan's going to win because he's not racing against I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know some fast third graders. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, wouldn't you think that lineage would have more to do with it, too? Because even somebody, like you just mentioned, like Creator, mm-hmm. I see the, the, he has Secretariat in Seattle Slough, in his life, which is pretty good. Oh, it's yeah. like he comes from a pretty good horse family. So wouldn't Absolutely. you think that somebody like Creator is not finishing dead last in the Kentucky Derby? I would think not. And even though he did have a very tough Kentucky Derby trip, you can see that he was checked and bumped, and he really he just couldn't get through that traffic and had a, had a poor uh, start there. You can see that he beat sudden breaking news, though, in the Arkansas Derby to qualify off of the Derby, third place in a race that happened before that, the Rebel Stakes, which is a grade two race, and his final race before that was a $70,000 maiden race, and uh, he did win that race. A maiden race is for horses that have never won a race. Uh-huh. So once you win a race, it's called breaking your maiden, if you've ever heard that. So. I have not. Okay, there but you go. You learn wow. something new every day. <laughs> wow. Like, so, like, we say it again. If, you, if, you... <laughs> if you've never won a race before, uh, yes. You know, you, you race in what they call maiden races. Right. So when you win your first race. Breaking your maiden. You bro- you bro- yeah, you broke your maiden. All right. That's one to remember. It's kind of like breaking the seal, right? Is that right, what that right, is? Right. When, you, when you finally go to the bathroom after you've drank so much. <laughs> exactly. You finally do that. That's what that reminds me of. All right. <laughs> right. Breaking the maiden. Exactly. Right. <laughs> hey, it's a family show. 2.55 p.m. We're going to take a timeout. We'll come back. we got the race starting. What time we, uh, What time is supposed time? I believe it's 6.32 or 6.37. It's right around 6.30, though. And you know there's a delay at about mm-hmm. uh, 5, 10 minutes to make sure everybody gets their wager in. All right. So that's what uh, we're looking at today. He's Ryan Hasnauer joining us here at the OTB on Whirly Drive. we got a couple more hours of our live coverage and local coverage, I should say, and then we're going to take it out to the... Belmont Stakes then. In the meantime, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we are going to talk the Stanley Cup playoffs 3-2 now after Matt Jones just went out of his mind last night in the uh, game number five in the finals. So you're going to game six now back to San Jose, and we'll talk about that. And can the Sharks actually do this here on WGR? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.